Our Spiritual Life and the Assumption by Father Daniel Couture What can we learn from the mystery of the Assumption? How does it apply to us? And how can we imitate it? What does it mean for each of us, according to the words of St. Paul, to reach the measure of the age of the fullness of Christ? And how did Our Lady's words to the children at Fatima reveal what is in the depths of her own immaculate heart. All this and more is addressed by Father in this 29th episode of the Fatima Center series, No Mary, No Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Queen assumed into heaven, pray for us. I would like to speak of this mystery of the Assumption, but from an angle you probably have never meditated, to help you bring that mystery into your own spiritual life. In what way can we, if we can, imitate something in that mystery? Is there something in the Assumption which is worth, which we can imitate? The answer is yes. Here it is how it goes. Let's look at the assumption from the part of God. We normally look at the assumption from ground level looking up to the mother of God. But let us look at it from God's throne. And what is the assumption for our Lord himself, for the Blessed Trinity? Well, we have the answer when our Lord said... In the Gospel of St. Matthew, when he speaks about the Last Judgment, he will say to those at his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, receive the kingdom that has been prepared for you before the creation of the world. And on Holy Thursday, just before going to the agony, he told his apostles, I have to leave you. I have to go and prepare for you a place. So that is the key. We have seen at the beginning of these talks when we spoke of the motherhood of Our Lady, the divine motherhood, with Father Garrigou Lagrange, we have seen that, first of all, God does everything for his glory. Omnia propter semet ipsum operatus Deus. God has done and does and will always do whatever for his own glory. He is God. Secondly, the whole creation is for the glory of his Son. The Word made flesh. The throne he has in heaven. Everything points to, to, to the Son. Everything is for the Son. The next thought God had, if we split it in a human way, is the glory of his Mother. There would be one in heaven who would be the number one in heaven after our Lord Jesus Christ. The throne of the creature who would be related to God. The creature who would be able to say to God, my son. The throne for the Immaculate Conception. The throne of the Mother of God. But there our Lord would not be crowning just his own work in her. 
he would crown her merits as well. Remember when this lady, when our Lord gave a sermon, and the lady was this lady at the back of the crowd was so impressed, and she said, Oh, blessed is the womb that bore thee in the path that gave thee suck. Wow, your mother must be so great and so happy of such a son. And our Lord replied, Yea, rather, Queen Imobeati is he who hears the word, hears the word of God and puts it into practice. We have seen studying the, the divine motherhood that what is great on the part of Our Lady in that motherhood, it is that it is a consented motherhood. She accepted freely, like, like a package, everything when she said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. That's her merit. And she kept to her word till the very end of her life. And so, it is from that angle that we need to look at the assumption. Starting from the end. Because in philosophy we say that the end is the first thing you think of when you're about to do something. You want to go and buy something at a shop. First of all, you say, oh, I need this. Then you walk down the steps, get the keys of the car and go to your car and drive to the shop and come back with it. But the first thing you thought logically was, I need this. I want this. So the end is always the first thing we do. I want to be a doctor. Well, I'm going to have to study many years. I want to be a priest. Well, it's going to be hard. I'm going to go somewhere in the world. God knows. There's going to be lots of sacrifices. But that's what I want. The goal. And so, all Our Lady's life has to be looked at from that angle, that divine angle. Because the thrones in heaven, these places which our Lord has prepared for us, correspond to the degree of charity we will have at the last moment of our life. Because the light of glory, which enables us to see God, corresponds to that degree of charity. And that degree of charity corresponds to the desire of God we had in our lives, says St. Thomas. And so, let's go backwards. If God has prepared the throne for Our Lady, let's talk about her first then he planned her life accordingly. Then everything in her life had to be arranged in such a way that although she, she started full of grace and she started with above, the, the psalm says, her foundations are above the heights of the mountain. She started on top of everybody else. Nevertheless, Our Lady corresponded to the grace of God. Her grace increased as she went through her life. And it's from that angle that we have to see as well her sorrows. The sorrows in her life, as St. Pius X said in his encyclical, she suffered with her son. The community of life and sorrows, community of will, community of, of charity, community of life. And so, God wanted Mary to be united to all his suffering so that she would grow in charity and reach that degree of charity which would correspond to her degree of glory in heaven. That's how God sees the whole life of our Blessed Lady. And so, when she arrives and when she's at the end of her life, as Pius XII says, 
and her soul goes to heaven and then her body goes to heaven. Now is the time of the crowning, the glorious moment where our Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the Divine Trinity, crowns the Blessed Virgin Mary, their masterpiece. Their masterpiece. Imagine if your son, if you're a general in the army and your son has, through his valiant deeds, your son has obtained a victory to the army. And now is the time of reward. Not only you are rewarding a soldier who was heroic in the battle, but if that soldier is your son, with much, how much, how much happier you are by pinning the, the Victorian cross on his, on his chest, whatever. Well done, soldier. And there's a smile. Well done, my son. Well, when our Lord crowned his mother, same thing and infinitely more. He embraced her and says, well done, my mother. Well done. It's beautiful when you think of that. And that is, I think, the aspect of that mystery that we can imitate. Because if this is the way God looks at the life of Our Lady, not just all the privileges, but I would say her response, her working with these privileges. And it was painful. When you meditate the passion, you realize it was painful. It's the same for us. If Jesus says, I'm going to prepare for you a place, so there is a place in heaven awaiting us, you and I, and that place corresponds to a degree of charity which we must reach at the end of our life. And so God is going to plan our lives, political circumstances, our family, health issues, the length of the number of years we will live, the family circumstances, whatever. God is going to plan all our lives so that we will have occasions to practice virtue, to grow in charity. All the masses we will attend, all the prayers we will say, the pilgrimages, whatever. So that we will reach that degree of charity, earn merits and grow in charity that will correspond to the place God is, has prepared for us in heaven. That is wonderful when you think about it. And that thought, you see, this is the assumption. It's one aspect of the assumption. We can bring into our lives, whenever we say the fourth glorious mystery, the grace of a happy death. We say sometimes, according to St. Louis de Montfort, fourth glorious mystery, fruit of this mystery, the grace of a happy death. What does that mean? It means the grace of final perseverance. Yes, dying in a state of grace. Yes, but also it means the grace to have reached what St. Paul calls the fullness of the age of Christ for me. So the degree of charity that God has planned for me to reach in the number of years I will spend on, on earth. At Fatima, on May 13, the very, very first apparition, Our Lady asked the children, after they spoke of heaven, she asked them, Do you want to offer yourselves to God to endure all the sufferings 
that he may choose to send you as an act of reparation for the sins by which he is offended and as a supplication for the conversion of sinners. Yes, we want. Of course, you don't say no to such a beautiful lady, beautiful queen coming from heaven. And then, she said, well then, you are going to suffer a great deal, but the grace of God will be your comfort. And that word of Our Lady to the children of Fatima is a commentary, we could say, is a development or is a revelation of what was in her immaculate heart when the angel asked her, do you want to be the mother of God, the mother of the Redeemer, the mother of sorrows? And she said, domini. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. What Our Lady thought, what she meant, saying these words, are these words which she asked the children of Fatima. She has one thing in mind, is to do the will of God. And here, she's asking children to suffer with her, with her their mother, as an act of reparation for all the sins by which God is so offended. And so, let us see our life from that angle. And so whenever we med- meditate on the mystery of the Assumption, let us remember it's not just her, it's not just glorifying our mother. In heaven, she sees all the empty places, the empty seats. She knows our names are written on the empty seats. And so, she sees the glory God wants to give us, and she sees us on earth. And so, let us ourselves keep an eye on that throne God has prepared for us, and live our lives focused on what should be really the principle and foundation of our life. I want to go to heaven. Heaven, that, do whatever you want. I want to go to heaven. If I have to die for it, sure, I'm, I, will, I will die, perhaps a martyr, but I want to go to heaven. For nothing in the world do I want to miss that throne. There was a story of the the 40 martyrs of Sebastus. Their feast is on March 10. To make a long story short, 40 Christians are arrested in this dire cold of winter. They're stripped naked and in minus, minus 20, whatever it is, they're going to be frozen to death because of their faith. But one of them is is scared and he walks away. And as they are there, kneeling probably on a frozen lake, one of the bystanders sees 40 crowns appearing over them. But they're only 39. And so one of them sees there's an empty crown, there's a, a crown available. And he himself went to get that crown and he died. He was the 40th martyr. And so let us do the same. Let us keep an eye all our lives. And whenever we say the Hail Mary, when we say pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, let us keep an eye on that crown so that Our Lady will accompany us and then when we die, she will be there waiting with that crown. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, my child. Come, enter into the joy of your Lord and the joy of your mother as well. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. For more resources regarding the Catholic faith and the message of Fatima, and to support this vital apostolate with a much-needed donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-263-8160. So many souls need to know and love Mary, so as to truly know and love Jesus. For the glory of God and the salvation of souls, please share this talk with others. And may God reward you. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us.